You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Family Matters. And today we are discussing child trauma and how we can assist young children who have experienced or seen traumatic events, right? There are different kinds of trauma. It could be neglect, whether it's psychological, physical, sexual abuse, community or school violence. Maybe it's witnessing or experiencing intimate partner violence. Maybe it's serious accidents. It could be life-threatening illness or the kid has witnessed a sudden or violent loss of a loved one. It could be anything, right? These events can affect a child and even inform some of their behavior when they are adults. So how do you know if a child is traumatized? Because for the most part, they're not going to talk about it. Some of them are extremely too young to even express what they've just seen, what they've just experienced, and how it's made them feel. So as a parent, as a guardian, there are certain things you need to look out for. But most importantly, how do you support children who have suffered and experienced child trauma? I've got Dr. Kathy Angus, who is a clinical psychologist, who's going to guide us through this discussion. But I always want to hear your own experiences, right? Uh, give me a call on 011-883-0702. Maybe you've experienced child trauma yourself. And this is something you're dealing with now as an adult. How has that journey been for you? Or maybe you're a parent and you are noticing some behavior from your child and you're not able to pin it down to what the consequences or even what the origins, I should say, of that behavior is. So give us a call if you've got some questions as well. Dr. Kathy Angus, thank you so much for making time. Good morning. It's my pleasure, Clement. I listen to you a lot, so it's lovely to be talking to you. Thank you so much for making time. Let's, fa- let's first start maybe with just the basic understanding of child trauma. What do we mean by child trauma? Well, I think you gave a very good introduction yourself there, I must be honest, um, in that you named pretty much all the things that can cause this kind of trauma. And when you've got children, and we were talking about when they phoned me, they said, let's look at children, preferably under the age of six. Um, and you know, they can be terrifically affected and, as you said, are very unable to express what it's all about. Because for them, it's just uh, a terrifying experience that they can't verbalize because they're not really verbalizing very well at that stage. Mm. And children are much more vulnerable. Um, and so parents and have, as caregivers, whether they're parents or not, have to be very, very focused on paying attention to what symptoms are displaying themselves. And that can be, as you said, psychological, physical. Um, so if there's an assault or a beating or neglect, all those things are going to play an ongoing role for the child. Mm. Um, and I think that one has to watch for something that is different. Yeah. You know? yeah. Sure. So, so you have got to be an aware parent then, Dr. Angus, right? Especially yeah. when your children are at that period when they're not able to express. You watch out for, you know, some of the behavior that may not be normal. What are some of the signs to specifically look for? Should you, I mean, if, if a child perhaps is, is becoming suddenly introverted, is somehow not playing with the other children anymore. What are some of the most basic and obvious signs that parents 
must look out for to figure out whether the child may have experienced child trauma or not? Yes, and I think one of the most important ones is fear of being separated from their parent or caregiver. Um, you know, that, that tendency to be clingy, um, to want to be on hand with the parent or the caregiver all the time. Mm-hmm. And they tend also to cry or scream a lot. And it doesn't seem to make sense to the parent or the caregiver because the child doesn't isn't reacting to anything logically in the, in the given environment. Yeah. But it is clearly having a, a tremendous impact. And that can obviously um, appear in very bad dreams or nightmares. Um, they also start eating very poorly and they lose weight. Um, so anything that is, is not normal mm-hmm. to this child's routine has to be paid attention to. They're yeah. very anxious. They're very fearful. Um, they have a hard time sleeping um, because, you know, sleeping means I switch off the alarm system. And what if something comes at me and sleep? Mm-hmm. So that alarm system um, is designed, obviously, to keep them safe from harm. And we need to be aware of that, that can be activated at any perceived sign of trouble or leaving kids at least scared, angry, irritable, or even withdrawn. Mm-hmm. And withdrawn is a hard one often because then they're not talking about it. And, and the parents might not know what, what is going on. Yes. So what do parents do then, Dr. Angus? It, once they've picked up those signs, they're seeing that, uh-oh, something is abnormal here. What do they do? Because I mean, you can't really talk to the children. Yes, you see that something is wrong, but how do they determine what is actually wrong? Okay, well, obviously not everybody can rush off to a psychologist, unfortunately, mm. um, because that's what we wish they could do. Yeah. Um, but I think that there are, are things that parents can do very much to help. They need to be aware and alert. So they need to be paying attention to that child, not not just avoiding it and getting on with their life and, oh, the kids are a bit quiet. They need to be attending to what is the matter with that child. So you don't avoid the subject. You don't avoid if there's been a situation. You actually talk about it. You allow them to verbalize in whatever way they can. You know, sometimes it's just tears. Um, obviously, if it's under the age of six in general, there can be talk as well. Now, it might not be very useful talk to you in terms of it's not verbalizing everything perfectly, but they will be saying enough for you to know that something was was very bad and has really impacted on them. So the parent needs to be open, needs to be connected with that child. Uh, so that yeah. it's not a matter of, of shutting off because they're being odd or different. Mm, but yeah. They've got to know they're being, they're being heard. Sure. So what are the long-term consequences of this kind of trauma? Right? How does this trauma then affect not just the kids when they are young, right, once they've experienced it, but how does it then affect them when they are much older? Because I imagine that, you know, part of what they've experienced is somehow going to inform how, in some instances, they behave as adults. So what's that link between the trauma that a child may experience, whatever it is, and how 
they behave or even a personality that they take when they are much older? Mm. Well, they, they start even picking that up at school. Mm. So if we're talking about children under the age of six, we then have a whole school to look at. And we find that there are often learning problems. There's increased use of health and mental services needed because there will be... And, and we're talking about trauma here that, as we have said and you said at the beginning, can be quite severe. So there's an increased involvement on both the health and the mental side of everything. And yeah. it can result in long-term health problems. So that trauma is a risk factor for nearly all behavioral health and substance use disorders as well. Mm. So if a child suddenly is deciding to get involved with, with alcohol or, or other drugs when they get into their teens or early adulthood, you can be sure there was probably something traumatic behind that. Yeah. So we have to be aware that it's going to affect in almost every single area. Mm, yeah. But, but there is help. There is help. And, and the fact that there's hope is, is the fact that children are quite resilient. So children can and do recover from traumatic events. Mm. And you, you as a parent can play an important role in that recovery. Mm, yeah, uh, and sure. that's very important to take into account. However, when they become adults, obviously, as you said, now that these problems can continue, mm. um, I think before you even move, perhaps we just need to come back to what we do when a child mm. has experienced the trauma, mm. is you need to assure the child that they're safe. Mm. That is probably one of the most critically important things to do. Yeah. And also to explain that they're not responsible for mm. what has happened to them. Mm. Because children often blame themselves. Mm. for events that are completely out of control. They, they, they yes. take on a lot of responsibility, even when yeah. they're little. Yeah. All right, uh, Dr. Angus, I'm going to take a break, and, and when we come back, we'll, we'll continue this discussion. I want to take some calls on 011-883-0702. Jeez, there's so much responsibility you have as a parent, right? Remember the chat we had the other day about children who experience sexual violence, but they don't have the language for it? Huh? They don't know how to say to mommy or daddy or or any guardian that this is what I've experienced. Then in some instances, they want to say it. But the space, the safe space has not been created for them to feel that these guardians can take up this issue. It's safe to share it and they can help me deal with it. So this is dependent on us as the parents, as the guardians for the most part. So when we come back, I'm going to take your calls on 011-883-0702. If you've got questions, maybe it's something, it's behavior you are picking up from your child. Uh, you can call in if you want to share an experience of how you have managed your own child trauma and how you've dealt with it over the years. I'm happy to take those calls on WhatsApp voice notes on 072 20 minutes after 11. 702. Family Matters. It's 22 minutes after 11 o'clock. We are discussing child trauma and how as parents, as guardians, we can help young children who have experienced this trauma. We can, one, help with picking up, right, especially when they're young and they can't talk about it. How do we pick up that something is wrong with your child, Not one? But two, how do you support them, right? Once you've established what's happened, um, and how it's affecting them. How do you support them? Dr. Kathy Angus is a clinical psychologist 
guiding us through this discussion. I want to take some of your calls now. Makosonke, uh, let's start with you in Jabulani in Soweto. Good morning. Good morning, Clement, and your guest. How are you, my brother? Sure. Yes, um, just want to say that uh, through my experience, I've learned that uh, the cultivation of childhood trauma is the biggest challenge. Um, um, remember, uh, for me, what I've learned is that the, the traumatic experience itself is a seed, you know, and if it's not cultivated, uh, for me, I don't think it would have been, it, it, it would have thrived. But now, um, I think, um, like with my mom, what it, what she did is that, um, she realized that the environment I was brought up in, it was not healthy for me, mm-hmm. which then it then moved me. Uh, from that environment and which the environment moved me to then exposed me in a, a an amazing role model that then um, um, started the process of, of healing um, a process of of, of um, um, making of, of dealing with with, with with the trauma that I've experienced because now um, remember that the trauma that I've experienced is the only thing I knew. As a child, I mean, mm-hmm. I was a child. I, I didn't know anything else. You understand? But now, and and the good thing is that my role model was a maid, you know, um, um, which then um, then suggested that to me that is not the way to go about um, uh, doing things, you know. So I think for me, um, if we saying we want to uh, and it, uh, we want to deal with the situation, we need to start having um, a programs like. Um, um, mental development programs in where these children are going to because unfortunately if i didn't um clement if i didn't get exposed to um, um the exposure exposed to that they led me to view things differently mm. i mean i my mom only noticed that when i tried to commit suicide mm. you know and and if i didn't do if i if that didn't take place clement actually today i wouldn't be alive so for me i think we need to look into into the issue of, of mental development programs in which these children are exposed to thank you yeah uh, makosanka before before you go as an adult uh, fat yeah. one how have you dealt with that trauma um and, and as an adult have you picked up you know some supposed behaviors or some personality that you've picked up that you now understand you know understanding what happened you were a child you're able to link it to that trauma that happened that that you witnessed Look, um, Clement. Look, first of all, my 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 trauma. Uh, uh, um, two things that it was uh, the objective of my trauma. Mm. Uh, 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 first, first thing it was that it was creating a sexual pervert. Okay. Me. Okay. The second, the second trauma it was creating a a, a toxic um, uh, uh, masculinity mm. um, out of me. You mm. understand? So those are the things that are basically. Uh, I, I could I could um, trace back. So if I didn't have the intervention that I had, definitely I would have been a sexual pair today. Mm. I would have been uh, um, uh, continued with with toxic masculinity. All right, oh, Makosonga, thank you for for calling and sharing with us um, what happened. And I'm so glad that you have found a way to deal with it. Um, and and your parents were able to see that something is wrong before it's too late. Um, here's a voice note that also that's also come through. Hey Clement, um, uh, this is a very interesting topic that you're having with your guest uh, this morning. Um, I've got a three-year-old son and, and um, me and his mother separated uh, two years ago. 
Um, uh, lately, when he visits me, he's so cleanly, so cleanly to me. He doesn't want to interact with his uh, grandparents. He doesn't want to be held by his grandparents. He, he well, he used to enjoy um, uh, traveling or, or, or tagging along with his grandparents, but recently, for the past three months, he somehow wants absolutely nothing to do with them. And um, yet, he's three years old, my man. Do I have something to worry about? Thanks, Clement. All right. Thank you so much for for that, Doctor Kathy Angas. You can, if you've got reflections on what Marco Sonke um, was saying about his own experience, and of course this question from a listener about the son who now is very clingy and always wants to be held by him, but not so much by the grand uh, parents, and and he yeah. used to really enjoy. Um, being held by them and, and taking along when they were traveling, but that's different. And he's asking if yeah. that's something that he should be worried about. Yeah, I think it's something he should be worried about. Um, I think your first caller who called in, um, it, it was good to hear that he had been removed from the situation yeah. that was clearly causing some strife. Um, uh, it, it's awful that he was suicidal at one stage. And I think that what I got from that message, it wasn't terribly clear when he's chatting, but he he was heard, he was understood, which is why they removed him from that situation. Um, however, I'm concerned that he then, you know, became suicidal. Mm-hmm. It sounds as if it sounds as if there was quite a lot of caring in the situation from his mum's side. Um, I, I think your your last caller here. Um, there is concern about his little one because one, one first question you have to ask is why has the behavior changed? You know, mm-hmm. if, if this is a three-year-old, that they're little and they're so precious and so vulnerable. And so if this child was happy to come to him and, and the grandparents, why not now? Mm-hmm. So if I was dad, I, w- I would want to investigate um, what has changed? Can he see anything on his side that has changed? Can he see whether the grandparents are contributing anything without even meaning to? Mm-hmm. Um, but something has shifted, and it's what that it's what has shifted that is of concern. Yeah. Um, so, so I would I would want him to investigate that. Yeah. I hope yeah. he's still listening. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you for responding to that, Doctor Angus, and and good luck. Uh, the listener didn't give a name, uh, but I hope. I hope you will get you'll have look have a closer look at at this behavior because something may be um may be on there. Let's take the latest in eyewitness news headlines when we come back. More of your calls and WhatsApp voice notes. It's eleven ten. Seven oh two. Family matters. Your calls are coming on 011-883-0702. Let's start with Doctor D. Um, Doctor D, good morning. Hello, Clement. Good to be on the show. And I must just say a minute that I really can't um, be on 702 without acknowledging the very sad loss of John Burks. I worked mm. with on that station for 26 years. Mm. And I did his very last show with him. So certainly at the time, he was really a national treasure. But look, I've just, I was listening to this in the car, and she said, and I want to, first of all, applaud our esteemed guest, your psychologist. Yeah. I agree absolutely with everything that she says, and it's a very, very, very important topic. So I just wanted to underscore a couple of points. Number one, actually, 
and it's a, it's interesting because it's a de- it's not the usual default way of reacting, you know. But I do want to say the only way out is in, really. That if you don't own the story, you're not going to write the ending. Mm. If you don't own the story, the story owns you, and then it will start manifesting, as has been discussed here, behaviorally, the physical symptoms, emotionally, socially with relationships psychologically, you'll see all the things that you've been talking about, which kind of highlight you to something. Often what parents and everyone else want to do is to say, it's over, it's over, it's done, let's just not, you know, have to to unpack it. And what, you know, your kind of emotional carpet starts looking like the Alps after a while with all the stuff that isn't really dealt with. And so it is counterintuitive. You do want to pass it. But find very, very gentle, sometimes subtle, always safe ways of of helping yourself know that that isn't the the sort of ongoing thing. But there are ongoing things even so. It's not only the trauma, it's the effect of the trauma. Yeah. It's the patterns that you learn and the stories that you tell yourself. And one point that I really wanted to make is that people learn adaptive ways. So certain ways of behavior they might have learned as self-protection that kind of served them well at the time, like avoidance, like, um, you know, no, like not, you know, not being there or hiding away mm. or withdrawal, sometimes even aggression, sometimes even certain behaviors that are going to block them from the reality of the situation. And the problem is that they might have been put self-protective ways then, but they become dysfunctional patterns of behavior when Mm. you grow up. So part of the therapy in it Mm. is to help the person see that they did what they did with them, with looking after themselves in the best possible way at the time. Mm. I heard the psychologist say, you know, um, um, obviously that you have to to make them feel safe. They often did what they did. Their reaction was served a purpose, and it was a self-protective purpose. But I see so many adults who have ways of belief and ways of behaving. They've got nothing to do with reality. I mean, only recently, it was so simple. You know, I just said to somebody, would you mind clearing the room and tidying up the room because there are people who are coming through there. Well, the response was, I'll put the keys in the post box kind of thing. Mm. Like they were primed to believe that if everything was a criticism and therefore you oh, had to leave because yeah. they were abandoned so many times. Oh. And so those dysfunctional beliefs and patterns mm. become woven into your DNA and then acted out again and again. So it's the trauma and the effect of mm. the trauma the protective aspect of it, the dysfunctional aspect now. That's, I just yeah. wanted to... Oh, thank you for, for, for calling about it, uh, Dr. D. So important, right? And sometimes it's these defense mechanisms, right? Um, and like we said earlier, these are the things that then inform how you behave at a later stage. But at some point, it becomes dysfunctional behavior, as Dr. D says. Uh, Dr. D is a clinical psychologist herself. Thank you for calling and contributing to this discussion. Valencia, you are in four ways. Good morning. Hi, uh, Clement. How are you? Good. How's it? Valencia, mm, Go ahead, Valencia. Good, good, yes. I just wanted to uh, just challenge the idea about kids being like... Uh, 
like naturally resilient. Mm. Um, like I, 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 I challenged that thought because I, I did do some reading and research on my, um, on my own because I struggle a lot with like um, childhood trauma. Mm. So uh, what happens is that kids are not born resilient. They do, they get resilience because of like the home that they live in. Mm. You know, they've got a safe place to be in. They have uh, grown-ups around them that show them the way, like in life, and uh, the resilience uh, gets picked up by small challenges uh, that's age-appropriate for kids. But there are certain things that are so traumatic and so overwhelming to the system that they don't know how to process what is happening to them then. And then you see them acting out later on in life. Mm. Um, but, and I know this because I read books like uh, What Happened to You and um, uh, like Building Resilience. There's some books that I read to understand the topic, right? Yeah. So I just think sometimes it's damaging to think that children are just born with a resilience. So if they go through a traumatic moment, uh, they'll be fine, you know. There's mm. some interventions, uh, depending on how, how traumatic the event is, um, that needs to take place after the child, like immediate. They need child care. They need people who will help them process what happened um, in time so that it doesn't later mm. uh, hinder uh, how, how they, you know, hinder them as grow, grown up yeah. or have them acting out. In certain ways. Yeah, and, and I would add on to that, Valencia, and say if if you even get an indication that ah uh, maybe you know that your child has experienced this kind of trauma or has witnessed this kind of trauma and and you think ah oh, they're so resilient, look, they're over it. That is not yeah. the case. Um yeah. maybe the children are just hiding the effect or you don't see what the effect is. I mean, there are yeah. things that I'm dealing with in therapy right now that have got everything to deal with with what happened when I was a child. And I'm always like, yeah, my goodness, okay. when you make that link, then you understand yeah. why you behave in a certain way, why you've taken yeah. on a certain personality. So it's not that I wasn't impacted then, but it's that has now even come into my personality and it's showing mm. itself out even more expressively now when I'm an adult. Yeah. Yeah, and I just wanted to add that, that Thank you. Yeah, you can end up taking out those traits and thinking that mm. it is your personality, but it's not. It is not. It's just residue trauma. Mm. Mm. Ooh, yeah. Valencia, great point there. Thank you for calling. Pindile, what do you want to say? You're in Pinville in Soweto. Hi, Pindile. All right, let's try and reestablish that line with Pindile, and, and I'll, I'll get her. Dr. Angus, any reflections on what Dr. D said and, and what Valencia also had to say now? <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe Dr. D wanted to take over the role for a while. <laughs> She's really good, and her input is, is very useful. Um, I don't think there's anything I want to add. I think she was very clear with what she had mm. to say. Um, I, I think that this woman who's just spoken now mm. is also very clear. And I think that, you know, I wasn't for one second suggesting that you assume every child is resilient and therefore it will be fine. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So um, I think what she said was really, you know, important and, and, and definitely to be heard. Mm. Um, but that, that, that understandably, children are children and children are taught by their parents or caregivers mm. and held and just created a safe space for them. That's mm. what we need everybody to be doing. Absolutely. Let's take these voice notes coming through and then we'll go back to the lines. Yeah.
good morning Tate Clement Manyatela and the guest uh, I just wanna ask this man uh, recently my daughter and my uh, son experienced uh, the death of uh, their uh, granny uh, my mother-in-law they cried so hard uh, but lately uh, it seems they uh, accepted that is there something i should worry about in the future to because but, but now there's no signs of uh, any anything i uh, just want to ask man for the future is there anything to worry or can i maybe check out something in them thank you mm. bye well thank you so much for your voice note uh, dr angus i wanted to ask how old the daughter and the son is but it's it's via voice mm. note line uh, but let's assume mm-hmm. they are young. Um, is there something that he should be worried about? Because I think he's a bit concerned about how they've been affected by the death of, yes. of their granny. Yes, and I think, that, I think that the death of anybody in what is obviously a very close family unit is very important. And grandparents in this case obviously were thankfully very, very involved. And that, that is wonderful for the grandkids, but it's also very traumatic when they lose that person, because that person has been a safe place, a person who loves, a person who accepts, a person who listens to everything they say. You know, so the loss is very real, and the grieving will be strong. So I fully understand that. Um, I think that one must acknowledge that, so that the child knows that, yes, you know, we lost mom or dad as well, and that it was traumatic for us too, because, yes, they've gone, but they... They left us so much to, to live with. They gave us so much. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense that the, you know, the granny has, has given something of herself to them that they can grow with and grow from. Yeah. So do you take them for therapy now? Do you start talking to them to understand how that made them feel? Just so you avoid... Uh, how old were yeah? they? How old were they? I'm, I'm not sure, yeah. I wanted to ask, but assuming um, that they, they are young yeah. and maybe they're not yeah. able to express themselves, like, do, should you yeah. consider I, therapy I now? Think we should, I think they should reduce it. I don't think that mm. one should ever avoid these things. Okay. You know, when you avoid something, you make it almost have more strength. Mm. Um, because mm. if it upsets the child, then the child is going to react um, and is going to react more so. Um, if it's if it's completely ignored, so let them cry, let them talk, okay. um, talk about how wonderful Granny was, how how much mother she was to them, yeah. um, and before Granny to the kids, okay. so that she's alive and real. Mm. Pindile, we've got you back uh, in Pimville in Soweto. Good morning. Uh, good morning. You, I'd like to know my, whether is this also something like traumatic behavior. Mm. My cousin's son has been very, very close to the father, and the father has just decided to disappear and about abandon the child. Now he's very, he, at three, he is very, very aggressive. He would take other children's toys while having his, his own, throw things, throw things away, just throw tantrums and cries a lot, likes to mm-hmm. fight. Mm-hmm. What, what, what causes that? Can that be the cause? Mm-hmm. And what can be done? And this three-year-old Pindile, did he have a relationship with his dad before he was abandoned? A very, very close relationship oh, with the yeah. dad. Okay. 
Oh, Penile, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Dr. Angus? Mm, that's, that's a horrible one um, because you had a parent that was right there and did have a good relationship mm. with the son. So I think that's very, very sad. And I think that the mom needs to acknowledge that, that the, you know, the parent was important. I don't know the reason he left, so I don't know how she's going to word around that. But I think what she needs to add to that is that he hasn't stopped loving his son. You know, maybe he's gone away. Um, mm. in terms of physically gone away and can't see the sun right now. And, and really it's difficult to give full advice when you only have such a short thing. But I, I fully hear the concern. Yeah. Um, and child is showing typical, typical signs of traumatic behavior. Mm. Um, and I think the child needs to be reassured. The child needs to be said, Dad does love you. Um, and again... When's dad coming back? Is dad ever going to come back? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it requires the parents to be mature, right? Um, Obviously, as you said, Dr. Angus, yeah, we don't know what the context is here, but there are instances where a parent, a child is, has, has lost the opportunity to have both loving parents because they don't see eye to eye. And it's not that either of the parents don't want to be involved in raising this child but it's that the parents themselves are just fighting so sometimes it's so important for you to put the child first and understand what the consequences are on their psyche consequences on their life when they witness this tension right when you can just sacrifice sit down and say i may not like you you may not like me we may differ on so many things but let's think about what's in the best interest of the child here's another question dr angus so a listener says hi my cousin's daughter witnessed my grand last minutes when she had a stroke she was three and they were locked inside the house for hours before she was discovered with my grand's dead body she's not okay but her mom is ignoring it what does one do jeez this is so tragic it's awful now, how old was, did they say how old this child was? That was three. She now. was three when three. this happened, yeah. Oh, shame. That's really, really sad. And obviously sad for the mum too, who just doesn't know how to cope with mm. it. Um, but being silent is not going to help anything. So I think she, she needs to chat and say, you know, this is what happened. It must have been very scary. Mm. You were locked in the house. You, you know, I mean, it, it, obviously in baby words, you're saying it's not your fault. You've got to, got to uh, address the blame issue because the child was with the grandmother who then died. Mm. She can't get out Oof. of the house. So, you know, that child is going to take a lot of blame of what did she do wrong? Mm. You know, so mm. she, the mother needs to address that the child did nothing wrong that she's not responsible. Yeah. She mustn't feel guilty or bad about that. Okay. And, and then the sadness. Mm. And then I think mom needs a bit of help as well. Mm. Yeah. Let's take some more voice notes and, and calls now. Hi, Clement. My daughter was bullied uh, to an extent where she broke her thigh bone during the whole bullying incident, where she landed her in hospital for three months. This was in 2020. It's 2022, and my daughter still doesn't want to run or do all the activities she used to do before. How do I help her get over um, the injury? Because I think she thinks if she runs or does anything, then maybe she'll break again. Mm. Dr. Angus, 
Um, yeah, it looks like yeah, she was bullied. She ended up in hospital, and now she's just afraid mm. to even take part in in these activities anymore. And the parent is asking, I'm "How do surprised. I help her get over that?" Mm, I'm not surprised. I think that that you know the mom must just stay close to her and reassure her that again that she didn't do anything wrong because it, it's amazing how much guilt little ones take on. Um, as to, to why something has happened, it must have been me. Um, and that's one very important point for, for everybody who's dealing with young kids, is to, to understand that they need to reassure that the event didn't happen because of them. Now, this child was, was physically injured quite badly. And, and so, understandably, is very, very nervous okay. about going out into the world. So, I would, mm. I would get her to be playing with people she knows and trusts, so whether it's her cousins or whoever, yeah. um, to, to get some kind of base where she can reassure herself that she can play with kids and it's okay. Okay. Let's wrap up with these two voice notes. Uh, I, Clement, uh, and the team. Uh, Clement, uh, my daughter, uh, when she was around four, she experienced a traumatic experience between me and my wife because actually my wife uh, stabbed me on the hand and when we had a, uh, a misunderstanding so now when now and then my daughter she always asked me uh when she see the the mark of where the step was she always asked me to say daddy what happened there if i try to like say no 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 i know what happened even i just still do that so i'm not so sure how to mm. deal with that thank you sure uh, Dr. Angus, so, I didn't um, quite that so she was three, the daughter, and ex- and witnessed mom stabbing dad. And sometimes okay. she asks dad, what happened to you when she sees the scar? But when dad tries to explain, she says, I know that, I know that. Should da- dad start getting into the details and explain and, and get to know how it made her feel? Um, if you can do that in just uh, 40 seconds, please, Dr. Angus. Yes, certainly. I think he must try and get child to talk to him. Mm. Tell child exactly, you know, child must tell in her own words as much as she can what has happened there and just reassure. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Kathy. I really appreciate you making time to guide us through this discussion. That's Dr. Kathy Angus, who's a clinical psychologist. I hope that has helped you understand and know how you can help your children when you notice something is not okay.